From the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 93. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm happy you can join me. I'm your host, Chris Curran. And uh, this is the show where we talk a lot about spirituality, about mindfulness, uh, a lot of things unseen and otherworldly. And also a lot about personal development because you might know, you might not know, but I'll tell you. Um, Spirituality is great. Philosophy is great. All these wonderful ideas are really great. And the time that it makes a really big difference in our lives is when we actually implement it in our lives. So we love theory. We love uh, the esoteric ideas. But we also like to talk about how each of us can implement it in our own life and uh, integrate it into our experience. To, to have some spiritual growth. Uh, we broadcast live every weekday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fractal Stream. And then we archive every show as a podcast in three different places. On iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. And our website is www.themysticshow.net. Themysticshow.net. And you can find links to all our previous episodes and our social media uh, accounts and of course the fractal stream and we'd also like to quickly thank our sponsor pause your life the pause your life has meetups and retreats and really the purpose of pause your life is when when you wish that you could look up on your wall and see this big pause button and just stop the world <laughs> for a couple hours or a couple days well if you feel like you need a break you can uh, do that, actually. That's what Pause Your Life is all about. If you go to pauseyourlife.org, that's the website. You can get a lot more details there. Pauseyourlife.org. And I'm happy, very happy today to have a very special guest here on The Mystic Show. Um, it's someone I've known for a little while now. Someone who actually is involved in the same spiritual practice that I'm involved in. I mean, you've heard me from time to time mention, you know, Sahaj Marg, and that's the practice I'm doing, and that, that there's a spiritual guide, and um, I may have even mentioned a couple of details of the practice, but not very much at all, because this the Mystic Show is not just a big commercial for any particular practice, um, but it is a big part of my life, and it's I know it's a big part of his life. So so let me introduce Brian Jones. He's an artist, he's a musician and an entrepreneur, and he's also a spiritual aspirant. Yep, and he's been practicing meditation since age 12, and now, these days, he's currently helping others learn the art and science 
of meditation. And I'll, I have a link to his website as well, which we'll put in the show post. But Brian Jones, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is uh, really great. I mean, how, how many times have you and I sat uh, on a rock in India and talked about uh, spirituality? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's very true. Quite a few times <laughs> in India and other places. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and um, yeah, I, I specifically remember a few, like I, I know at the uh, the ashram where we, uh, in, in uh, Chennai, where we go usually, um, you know, there's a dining hall and you get your plate of food and you sit down and you chat. And I know we've chatted many times. So, so I'm interested to hear about your, some about your journey in spirituality and, uh, and, and also how you're helping other folks now. So, do you want to take us back to uh, to how it all... Oh, you know what? I had a quick question first. As you're talking, because I know you're giving a lot of talks these days about that's, spirituality. That's Are you finding people receptive in general? Is, is there any change in the receptivity of people to learn about spirituality? I think that there definitely is. I mean, I've been you know giving talks for a long time, but I would say in the past uh, two years in particular... There's really been an upswing, and uh, the attendance is uh, bigger, and the interest is greater. And I think people are searching. I mean, you know, I think the spiritual search really is so tied into, um, I hate to say a crisis, but <laughs> most often a crisis in the world or a personal crisis, uh, you know, that drives us to, you know, think about what else is there? You know, what am I doing with my life? Where can I go? Uh, what's the purpose? And so I'm finding that uh, more and more people are just becoming uh, restless, I'd say. They're, they're searching, they're longing, they're looking for, uh, you know, peace of mind, they're looking to connect with the heart. And so all these are encouraging signs. I think it's great. Mm, very good. Um, so, now let's let's talk about how you got into spirituality. But, but and by the way, where are you uh, living these days? I live in uh, a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. And okay. actually, I grew, I grew up here in Cleveland, but I moved away for about twelve years. But now I'm I'm back. <laughs> okay. So how did it all start for you? Like, was was did you get on the spiritual path because of any crisis, or how did you step onto it? You know, I, I, I'll tell you, I must have been born born on the spiritual path because as far back as I can remember. You know, there were some really early experiences and things that I had when I was a kid. And uh, then growing up, I think the one big trigger was when I was about uh, 12 years old, somewhere in there. I uh, grew up in a, well, I didn't grow up in it, but I went to school in a tough neighborhood. And uh, I was a scrawny little kid. And my father must have thought that I needed some toughening up so I wouldn't go to school and get beat up, you know. So <laughs> he, uh, he started me taking Aikido. And Aikido, many people have heard of it, but it's a form of martial art, uh, like we know judo and karate. But Aikido is very much to do with uh, disciplining the mind and using the mind to regulate and flow what they call this key energy that you could move uh, through your body and you would use that to as part of the uh, self-defense. I mean, you could actually throw someone without even touching them just by flowing this this energy in the right way. So at an early age, uh, that got me really interested in uh, what's possible and you know what the mind can do. And uh, that got me interested in meditation and 
you know, I remember my father used to take me to this really old bookstore in downtown Cleveland. I would head straight to that spirituality uh, section. Mm. And I remember getting old books on Buddhism and Zen and Taoism and Christian mysticism. And, uh, I just devoured whatever I could get. And so that was sort of my introduction. And uh, that carried with me all through junior high and high school. I was really, you know, searching, searching, searching. And when I uh, was 18 years old, I think I did have, you know, a crisis. I definitely had a crisis of some sort. Um, and I got involved with, you know, the drinking and partying and all that, which is not unusual for uh, teenagers of any age or any any generation, I mean. Mm. And, um, uh, and that led to a point where I was really, really just devastated. Uh, everything in life was just uh, a mess. And I remember praying to God for like three days. It was the first time I really got angry at God. You know, I said, you know, I'm just sick of this. You know, <laughs> I want to know what is the way. I want to know right now. And um, it was sort of dramatic. <laughs> and, <laughs> and after, a, you know, and within a week, through some really weird set of, uh, you know, circumstances, I found out about this woman who lived up here in Lakewood, Ohio, and she taught a meditation and someone said you know if you're interested why don't you call her she she knows this little enlightened little old man and she studies with so i said okay i'll check it out so i went and and met her and i began this meditation which is uh, sahaj marg which means a natural path and i've been doing it ever since so it's been 40 years this year that i've been doing this wow yeah so that was right so you had your own little crisis and and you know we've i i think we've probably talked about it before but it's those moments when your heart really opens and there's like a really sincere cry from the inside. And that's when like, that's when it seems like the universe or God like actually moves or something. Is is that, was that kind of your experience? I, I think, I think that is exactly right. And in fact, you know, just the other uh, day, I, I read an interesting passage from uh, uh, Babuji. Now Babuji is one of our spiritual uh, masters, spiritual guides in this practice. And, and he said a really interesting thing. He said, we have to, uh, how did he put this? Uh, we have to convince the divine of our earnestness of purpose. And I, I think that's what happens is, it, you know, and you said it in a different way, you know, but we have to convince the divine of our earnestness of purpose. And that word earnest to me just is so important, you know, I mean, it just implies, you know, it's just a genuine uh, sincerity of the heart, you know, uh, no ego, no trying to get something, you know, just a real opening up, like you said, and allowing this uh, infinite divine, which we have, each of us has with inside, uh, to come out and to work for us. That's the objective. Right. And it's interesting how it does take a, usually a tragedy for someone to, to break down enough and let their guard down enough and say, I need help, you know, please do right. help me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay. So that's, um, I mean, when you were it, through your childhood, when you were studying all that, did you, do you want to tell us any stories of any experiences you had or any, anything that gave you hints at uh, a higher power or anything? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, the one thing I remembered was that, and again, I don't know the, the age range, but I must have been very young, and I remember that there were mornings 
when I would wake up and I felt, and I mean in the core of my being, it felt as though the entire world was just completely new, completely brand new and fresh. And it was just like, and it wasn't just me or my own spiritual state or condition I was in. I mean, I just felt that the whole world was that way. And it was like everything had been erased and we were starting life afresh. And it was such a, an amazing feeling. And I, I had it just a few times growing up. And I remember as I was starting to get older that I would sort of long to experience that again. You know, I would sometimes think when I was going to bed at night, oh, I, you know, I hope I can wake up and just feel that the whole world is new, feel that feeling again, you know. And, uh, and it, it didn't last, you know, but um, looking back, I've been writing, working on a book, which is another thing we can talk about later, but um, it's caused me to look back on my early life and, and think about these things again. And I, I think there's something about that. Uh, to me, it was uh, maybe a sign, maybe something hopeful for the future. And even now, uh, I can admit that I do have that hope every so often. I do have that hope every so often. I, I just think I wish I could just wake up in the morning and just all of a sudden that the whole world would just be starting fresh again. You know, <laughs> we'll just forget everything else. <laughs> so instead so. of just the pause button on the wall, we need to start start new button on the wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fresh start. <laughs> fresh start. Thank you. Oh, so that's that's good. You know, I... I also had some experiences when I was younger, and I've had experiences uh, since beginning the Sahaj Mark practice, and I think those are mm. probably a lot, well, definitely much more profound in a sense yes. that these things happen and you you don't, like, you can't predict them and you can't even, you don't even know they're coming, but experiences happen and you feel certain things and literally you're not the same person ever again. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine that you could have such an experience that all of a sudden you were once, you know, the way you were, the way you, everything you knew about yourself, and then all of a sudden uh, a profound shift can happen that's a permanent shift. It's not just a flash in the pan. It's not just a brief uh, experience of something. Of course, there are plenty of those type of, of experiences, but there are those profound life-changing moments on the spiritual path that are permanent. And uh, I've had those as, as well. And, you know, uh, those are the things we certainly want to work towards on our, on our journey forward. Right. Those are like signposts, you know, it's yes. because, you know, practicing every day it's, and, and nothing, you know, most times you don't, nothing, most times nothing special happens. So there can be a time that you kind of feel like, okay, what am I really doing? Is this working? You know, <laughs> kind of those thoughts. Right. It's spirituality is kind of like riding a train, you know, and uh, it's the fast train and you've got, uh, but you've got the windows closed and you're just going along, going along and you don't really know just how fast you're moving along. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, you stop at uh, a stop further down the way and you open the window and you're in a completely different place. <laughs> right. A new country. A new country. So, all right. I just want to remind everyone, you're listening to The Mystic Show. And our guest today is Brian Jones. He's uh, a spiritual aspirant and, uh, of course, an artist and a musician as well. Um, 
Real quick about that, and, and your website, by the way, is brianjonesgallery.com. And of course, and like I said, that uh, the link will be in the show post, so you don't have to scramble to write that down. Um, have you always been a creative kind of person, Brian? I've always been creative, and I think my father, my father and mother were both creative, but my father in particular was a very creative person. And he also taught me a really big life lesson, is that when he was young, he became a Golden Gloves boxing champion. And then after that, he took up opera, and he became an opera singer, and he wound up singing with the uh, Chicago Opera Company. And then after that, he got into photography, and he became a professional photographer. And he and my mother actually went out to California and lived in Hollywood and photographed some of the big stars of their day. And then uh, they, you know, along, I, I came along, and <laughs> they moved back to Cleveland and sort of settled down. He went to work for the Federal Reserve Bank. But when he retired, he, he started doing uh, silversmithing, making Indian-type jewelry and this sort of thing. He got really good at it and was selling his jewelry. And you know, what I learned from him was that, you know, he never said, I wish I would have. He never had that thought in his life. It's like he, whatever he had an interest in, he, he just went ahead and did it. And he wasn't concerned with... Uh, you know, the results or anything. He just took it up and went after it. And I've kind of been the same way uh, in my life, too. I've learned so many different things, and uh, I've always been in the creative field. Uh, initially, I was uh, learned guitar on my own and uh, wrote a lot of music, played in a lot of bands back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, Then I got into recording engineering and music production, and I produced other artists and uh, did a lot in the field of uh, recording technology, uh, became a sales rep in the music industry. Then uh, after that whole thing changed, I got into doing art and just taught myself. And after two years, I found that I was suddenly getting into shows and solo shows. I was offered pretty big galleries in Cincinnati and Ann Arbor and uh, Cleveland. And that became my livelihood for quite a long time. And so how did you get into, you, you're, you mostly do painting, correct? Well, mostly. However, lately I've been doing, this past year I've been doing a big corporate project where I'm doing a lot of uh, uh, fractal art on the computer. Oh. Uh, some really cutting edge stuff. But uh, yeah, mostly painting. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Fractal art. That's awesome. Um, what program do you use? <laughs> uh, I use a couple of Apophysis and uh, what's the other? Genuine fractal no, okay sure. ultra fractal ultra fractal that's the one i'm thinking oh i have that one too all right i don't yeah. want to talk about fractal programs because everyone's going to turn off the radio <laughs> exactly uh, true. so but i wanted to ask you when you got into when you started creating artwork um how did you start did you literally just decide eh, i want to try painting <laughs> that's exactly how it happened <laughs> really it was another life crisis in, when I was the uh, sales rep. The whole industry sort of imploded. Big corporations came in and took over the whole thing. And I found one day I was completely out of business. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And so I moped around for about a year. And then I said to my daughter one day, I said, you know, I think I want to try painting. I said, take me up to Hobby Lobby and show, show me what I can get. She got me some paints and a couple canvases. And I did my first painting, which was truly awful. <laughs> uh, and I did another one after that, which was a little bit better. But I just kept going. And I did painting after painting and uh you know somehow i got better at at it each time i went and 
before long, in a couple of years, I started selling my work, and then it became a full-time thing. I opened a gallery in Cleveland. I was voted best gallery in the city for four years in a row, and uh, you know, just sell my own work. And I I've had, now have paintings all over the world, and uh, it was a complete surprise to me. But uh, you know, I think that that tying in the spiritual to this, that uh, creativity. And the spiritual path, I mean, to me, it's all one and the same. And uh, for me, when I paint, whether it's uh, music or art, you know, I just get a feeling inside. You know, it's time to paint something. And I don't really think about what it is I'm going to paint. I just start and it, let it lead me. And uh, when it's finished, you know, there it is. I, I look back and go, oh, wow, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. So I don't direct it too much. I try and just get into the... Uh, meditative state and let it let it flow and come out. Nice. So I wanted to uh, ask you about the meditation practice, uh, but I have a feeling that today we're not going to get into the all the nuts and bolts of the Sahajmarg practice. So we'll have to have you back uh, to describe those things. But but starting a spiritual practice in general, I mean, you you and I both are sort of helping local people learn meditation and. Right. One of the things, I mean, without even asking you, I know, one of the things you mostly hear is, oh, I'm not able to meditate. It's too difficult. And when I sit down, I just, I don't know, I can't do it. I have too many thoughts. It reminds me of what you just said about painting. Your first painting was awful. Your second painting was a little bit better. Is, is, that, should, is that the realistic experience of someone starting meditation? You know, what I find very often happens is sometimes... Uh the first or second meditation, maybe they won't be so so great. But, you know, within those first uh, couple of weeks of meditation, I find generally people will have some shift uh, and experience something. But then the thoughts come back, you know, because it was just kind of like a peak. You know, this is something that's cumulative. You, you've really got to practice it with regularity for it to become effective. The one analogy I give about uh, doing meditation, especially this particular practice, is that it has a few parts to it, and it's like baking a cake. And when you're baking a cake, you know, if you add salt when it's not supposed to be there, the end result is not going to be what it's supposed to be. And if you leave out the sugar or the chocolate, you know, the end result is not going to be what it's supposed to be. But if you practice sincerely, not perfectly, but sincerely, and do all of the parts uh, to a proper meditation practice, the end result is absolutely going to come. It's going to be exactly what it's supposed to be, and people will experience that. And that's the beauty of doing a meditation practice, is that it's not a belief system. We're not talking about a religion. We're not talking about a belief system. We're not talking about any of those things. It's something that you implement into your daily life and practice it. And it reveals the real self within that's the key to it. And it's something that we experience uh, again and again. And after doing it for some time, you start to see that all of a sudden you realize you're abiding in a meditative state all the time. And that's kind of like, I give the example of uh, sitting in the eye of the storm. You know, we have the hurricane and we can, that can be like our life and our thoughts and the chaos going round and round. It's not that that goes away. You know, it doesn't go away. But we can reach the eye of the storm. And we can make that a permanent condition in our life where no matter what's happening, inside you're not affected by it as much and you're calm and centered and you're 
acting out of your uh, higher self, out of the intuition that we have innately within each of us, and not out of reaction. And I'll tell you, that is a wonderful place to reach. And everybody can do that. Wow. I like the, you say it so simply, and it's so understandable. I really like that. Um, so like I said, we'll, we'll have to talk about the nuts and bolts of the practice another time. But I wanted sure. to ask you about the, you know, especially here in America, right? You're in Cleveland. I'm in basically a suburb of New York City. Um, and there's a lot of yoga places. There's a lot of meditation practices. There's a lot of quote unquote spiritual practices. And there's psychic readings and there's uh, tarot cards and there's all this uh, stuff. And there's astrology, and I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've studied several of those disciplines uh, in my journey. Of course, sure. once I started a spiritual practice uh, that really suited me, I, th- all those other things kind of fell off. Um, do you find people coming from those other disciplines, or, or, or are they confused because of those other disciplines? Well, I mean, I don't know if they're confused. I think it's just part of each person's search you know we're trying to find something you know i liken it to um you know thinking back when i got involved with the the alcohol and drugs and all the partying things you know it's like you're looking for an alternate experience and in spirituality it's the same thing and we go from thing to thing to thing we're looking for an alternate experience we're looking to feel something and uh the trick is that we want to find a practice that and a guide, a spiritual guide, which is essential. We don't have to go into that today so much. But uh, someone who's traveled the whole distance spiritually and has the ability to, to give you that experience and take you along on the path uh, in, a, in a genuine and safe way to reach that spiritual infinite goal that each of us has within us. And so when, we, when you start to go deep in the, in the practice of meditation, you start to see that some of these other things will just fall off uh, because you realize, you feel it in yourself that you're, you're getting, you know, you're moving forward, that the self, the divine self is, is working for you. I, I do find that, that the more, because our, our spiritual guide says it's basically we're moving towards infinity and we're really, we're moving towards simplicity and it's such a paradox that as you grow spiritually, things get simpler and uh, less complicated and there's less <laughs> detail. And, but, you, but then you feel like, well, what am I, am I making progress though, right? It's sort of paradoxical, no? Well, it, it might be paradoxical, but I think the simplicity point, uh, that's, the, that's the key thing. Life has become so complicated and the mind has become used to all this random activity. And in meditation, when we can still the mind, it starts to return back to a simpler uh, condition. Let's call it a simpler condition. And that goes a long way uh, to our well, to inspire our well-being, you know, something we feel within ourselves. Right. Well-being, not only emotionally, but <laughs> also mentally and also physically, right? Absolutely. I Absolutely. think there's a lot of studies now. Um, in fact, I was speaking to one of the folks we meditate with, and he was saying that there do, there's a lot more research on meditation now, like scientific research, actually. 
Yes, and they're showing, uh, whereas in the past, science has known that the electromagnetic field of the brain, for example, you know, comes a little bit outside of the skull. It uh, can be re uh, measured. Now they're finding the electromagnetic field of the heart is actually, you know, maybe five feet or <laughs> four or five feet outside the body. We have a huge electromagnetic field, and it interacts uh, with each other. I, whether we know it or not, well, most of the time we don't know that. But there's a lot to the heart, and in the practice of meditation that uh, we both do, the, the heart is what we meditate on. And to me, and this is what I talk about when I go out and give talks, I say, you know, the mind has taken over the heart. And in the process of meditation, we want to put the heart back in control over the mind, because the mind is like a computer. It, it processes packets of information that we receive through our senses, and it stores that and weighs that against new experiences to arrive at more conclusions. This is how the mind works. So it works with pieces and parts and uh, new results. But the heart does not work that way at all. The heart perceives everything as the whole, complete. And so when we put the heart back in charge over the mind, we start to experience ourselves and life as a whole. And that is a completely different experience than anything else that we've had, you know, thus far. And that's really the gateway or the opening to the spiritual life. Right. Wow. Well said. I think now we have to do about uh, three or four or five more shows, Brian, <laughs> because the heart, what a, what a topic that is, you know? Yes, it is. I mean, wow. So this has been great. Brian Jones, thank you so much for being on The Mystic Show. This has been great. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll have to arrange for you to come back when you're available. And uh, again, your website, brianjonesgallery.com. Um, and we're going to have to talk offline about some of those uh, fra that fractal art that you're making. Exactly. Um, which would be really good. So, so thank you, uh, Brian. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, I hope you enjoyed this. I mean, I know, you know, a half an hour kind of goes by pretty quick, but... Um, a lot of good points in there, and, and like I said, we're going to have Brian back. We're going to talk about the heart. We're going to talk about the, the Sahaj Marg practice. We'll get into the nuts and bolts, and, and we also will talk about uh, the spiritual guide and how important that is. Um, so, as you move through your day, keep some of these things in mind. Maybe take a minute and close your eyes and settle down and just be with yourself for a few minutes. See how that feels. All right, and as always, keep shining.